Welcome to Thrive, the Agency Scaler podcast. I am really excited today to talk about understanding prospect intent. And I have my good friend, Dr. Darren Carter here from NYC SEM. Hey, Darren, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, so NYC SEM, uh, really a um, PPC and analytics specialist firm. Do you want to kind of throw a little bit more uh, into that? Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're really an analytics-driven PPC agency. Um, we very much focus on those measurable KPIs on your website that indicate business growth. And we're going to drive all of our PPC management based on those particular KPIs. Awesome. Um, and that's really important because a lot of a lot of digital agencies, regardless of what niche they're in, um, I think sort of want to push the ROI and push the analytics and push all of that to the side. So the fact that that's the mm -hmm. focus is super important. Absolutely. Um, so today we're talking about sort of intent. And I really wanted to talk about that in the context of AdWords and, you know, who better to talk about that than uh, the search doctor himself, right? <laughs> <laughs> so um, when we're talking about branded advertising within AdWords uh, and campaigns, can you talk a little bit about some of the, the myths that some people have uh, sort of lodged in the back of their mind about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think when we're thinking about prospect intent, brand is, an inc is maybe the most powerful indicator of intent. Um, when someone goes to Google and they type in a brand, they are almost certainly only looking for that brand. And so one temptation a lot of companies have is to say, I'm going to trigger search ads based on competitors' brand names. And it's almost always a losing proposition. Um, the, you're going to sort of put an ad between someone who is looking for something very specific, and you're going to direct them to a page that they're likely going to bounce from immediately because they're not going to see the brand that they're searching for. Right. Things get a little confusing with shopping in that you may have products listed on Amazon, for example, or Wayfair or any of the other marketplaces um, where you may want to use that brand um, because you're capitalizing on the fact you're present in the marketplace. But otherwise, um, it's very difficult. And a lot of times, quality scores within the Google AdWords system reflect that. Right. That That's exactly a, what I was just going to ask. Yeah. Yep. It's just a poor, a poor indicator of performance in the account. Um, the one exception that I've seen recently uh, as a possibility to do to use brand terms that are not your own is in with search specifically is around um, remarketing lists for search. Um, the fact that you have people who have been to your website already who could either be your existing customers or people who are actively searching for your products, it could be a time to sort of continue branding and awareness um, during their search journey mm -hmm. by um, you know, only showing your ads to those people who might be searching branded terms um, but have already been to your website and qualified themselves in some way. Right. So I thought that's an interesting approach. And certainly for a high volume site, that might be possible. And you should get some some answers to performance quickly, right. um, I would think. Right. So. Um, now, what about when it comes to people who are comparison shopping? Um, mm -hmm. There's sort of this this feeling that you have that you really shouldn't try to influence people prematurely. Um, so I'd love to you know just hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, I, I think it it really... 
that's a strong reflection of what we were just discussing, that it's you um, are trying to sort of get in the way. I always think of it as, you know, the battle versus the war, where search is a journey, marketing, you know, is a journey, and people are, can only look at one thing at one time. And just because they're searching a branded product now does not mean they're not going to search your branded product later. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just familiar with that brand at this point. Um, and, and trying to interject yourself into their journey, especially in search, which you know, has such powerful intent signals that people are literally asking Google for something, um, is going to be you know, a losing proposition. Mm-hmm. Um, Google's comparison search, where at least they're, uh, you know, especially within shopping campaigns, they're going to um, lay out lots of options with different brands. Um, and I'm not, I'm sure there's intent signals um, when Google sees branded keywords that they probably will stack their shopping ads with more branded um, products. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, um, yeah, that's a very different approach, the sort of um, visual approach to marketing with shopping campaigns. So in general, um, I, I just I haven't found branded keywords, even within comparison shopping, to be particularly um, useful. One, one approach you can take, though, if, you are, if you're really committed, I always think of this on the B2B side, okay. that if you have a value proposition for your brand that's very clear. You've sat down, you've done the work, you know that yours is faster, you know that yours is better. Um, you've created that sort of matrix that um, shows your value. That's, that's a really good time to actually bid on a branded keyword because you can bring someone to a site, to really to a landing page that has that information laid out as to why your brand is better. Mm-hmm. So this is, you know, this is the one time where you're really giving them something they may be looking for when they're doing a branded search. You know, but that's, that's really taking the time to do all that work and laying it out on that page with other competitors. Um, but I think with B2B, that's a really powerful option that you have with, uh, you know, but, but, but be about the only time I'd run branded ads that weren't your own right, right. when it went to a landing page with that sort of detailed comparison information. Right. And, and the reality is that the number of agencies who are taking that approach um, for their clients is very much in the minority. So. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Now, and that's, there's opportunities in all these spaces and it is, it's usually the hard work, you know, to like create something that's, um, you know, incredibly useful, well-researched, and of course, that's what Google rewards as well on the SEO standpoint too. Um, since you know people are often, you know, there's a lot of there's a whole business sector of just you know comparison um, software, right. comparison services, and why not get in on that? You know, the reason they th- have thrived is because they're offering exactly that information that people are looking for. Um, so do it on your own site. You know, absolutely. Um, so sort of taking a, a little bit of a spin here. I think you and I are definitely on the same page when it comes to the reality of and the importance of negative keywords. Um, yes. My personal feeling is that sometimes negative keywords can be even more important that the, than the keywords that you're targeting. Um, yes. And for those who maybe aren't as familiar with AdWords, um, maybe uh, an agency that does digital marketing but doesn't touch AdWords or um, a creative agency that just isn't in the digital space. Can you talk a little bit about why the negative keywords are so important? Absolutely. So, you know, we are triggering ads based on 
keywords that we say people are searching in Google. Um, AdWords has several different match types um, to trigger ads. And some of those have essentially meaning built into them, like phrases and exact matches, so that you know, we can only trigger ads as long as the words are in this order. And usually word order implies some sort of meaning. Um, but the reality is almost all searches are long tail searches. Like you just don't know what someone's going to type into Google. Um, and so a lot of times you're using sort of keywords that match, you know, a, a group of keyword, a group of queries that someone's put into Google. Um, and so when you do something like that, you want to review what are called the search queries. Um, and this is literally seeing what people are typing into Google. So while you bid on keywords, it's queries that are matched to the keywords to generate, um, to, to allow you to enter into an auction for your ads to appear. What you'll see in these search query reports immediately are a host of keywords that are unrelated to the products or services that you sell. Um, the ones that I universally block immediately are free and complimentary that you see a lot if you don't block it right away. Um, you know, and not that that's a bad thing. You know, it, it, people are looking for free information all the time in Google. Um, and so if you are taking sort of the long approach with marketing automation and building trust and authority through content development, you want people to find your free information. That's not a bad thing at all. But in general, with a smaller business client, I'm not going to waste my clicks. Um, that's you know a very obvious example. Others are um, certainly locations. And so as you build out campaigns, um, geotargeting is very tricky. Google uses sort of automatically matches geotargeted keywords to um, you know, searches that people are doing. And so, you know, you can be in Chicago and be looking for New York pizza. Um, and that likely means that you're looking for a recipe for New York pizza. You're not really looking for New York pizza. And if you don't actually figure out how to um, either block people who are searching in Chicago, if you're trying to bring people in the door at your New York pizzeria, um, or add in um, keywords that just prevent the location from triggering an ad, um, you're going to end up with people potentially from all over the globe who really aren't your customers who are clicking your ads. Um, but there's just, there's a host of other things from like, if you sell products, colors, sizes, genders, all these things that are going to appear in these search queries. And, and really as part of my management, just as important as it is, that is one of the biggest aspects. It is constant revision of the negative keyword um, lists. And those can be applied at campaign levels, ad group levels. So you have a ton of options. It also, just as, a, as an optimization standpoint, helps you to prevent overspends by showing ads. If there is any sort of overlap within your product offerings, you can prevent ads from showing um, if the keywords are similar but have different value propositions or have different versions. Um, and this is something called structural keywords. So that, you know, women's, women's shoes may have a cost per click that's much higher than men's shoes, potentially. Um, and by excluding the term men and women in the different um, categories, you can actually, or the different ad groups or campaigns, you can actually improve your bidding 
um, by not entering into um, any sort of overlapped um, auction. So they're incredibly important. Yeah. And it also gives you insight into a new campaign structure, new ad group structures, um, and, and really volume of searches. So yeah. uh, I like search query reports. Yeah. <laughs> um... What would you say is the most underutilized by those who are running AdWords campaigns uh, in terms of content? Mm -hmm. You know, in general, people think, think of search very much as the low part of the sales and marketing funnel. So if we kind of take that ADA approach to the sales funnel, which is awareness, interest, desire, and action, a lot of search is seemingly focused on that desire and action standpoint. I feel like a lot of the ad extensions that Google has is very much boost the action standpoint because right. it's, you know, addresses, phone numbers, offers, the new promotion extension. It's definitely that act now aspect to AdWords that has made it so, you know, powerful. But you go one level up into sort of interest and you think, you know, again, here are these people searching for free information. Um, and for a lot of people, sometimes SEO and SEM don't overlap uh, in sort of the approaches that they take to their website. Um, and a lot of times content development to sort of grow trust and authority is more of a SEO technique than it is a paid search technique. Mm. Um, but not advertising content you've worked really hard on is actually detrimental to you. Um, because what's really interesting is those sort of interest queries, and a lot of times they're phrased as questions. How to, how do I, how should I, what is, like all these sorts of queries that you see all the time uh, in the search query report um, is the opportunity for you to make yourself the expert that answers that question. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the great thing too is that when you actually advertise on those keywords, your competitors aren't. They, they, they're also excluding those keywords. In general, that's what I'm doing. Any how do I phrase, I'll, I'll block across the entire account. Mm -hmm. um, but if you've just written an article that's like, you know, incredibly important to the industry, or doesn't even have to be incredibly important, answers the question that someone is answering, that's all Google wants you know, from the content that you create. So it's a great opportunity. The other thing I find that content is useful for is just remarketing. So even though it isn't search, it's once someone has been to your website, if they haven't hit important content that you've created, remarketing to those people that important content um, really generates um, some of the lowest cost per conversions I've seen in accounts, mm -hmm. especially on the B2B side. Um, and, you know, it's, again, your job on B2B is just showing your authority and that you can be trusted and to continually produce content that's of interest to people right. works. Uh, so um, I'd say content development, it can go hand in hand with search. I don't think a lot of people think about amplifying the reach of their content with search, maybe remarketing, but certainly not search. Right. Um, and I think it's a, a great tool. Yeah. And is there like an example that you can share um, related to this? Sure. Um, right now, like kind of specifically on the remarketing side, I'm working with a client that does multinational 
education around cultural differences in business. Okay. So for these larger companies who have operations across the globe, and a lot of times work in virtual teams, so you know, a lot of this sort of collaboration has gone online and people don't necessarily have to travel or be relocated into different countries. They still need to know how to get together and communicate. So this client um, has like 130 different trainings around different cultural um, differences in business. And the top sort of producing remarketing campaign is an excerpt of the owner's book that's about managing cultural differences. And, it, and just by advertising in a remarketing campaign, even saying it's just an excerpt of this book called, you know, Managing Cultural Differences right. is enough to have it be the lowest converting cost um, within the account. Right. And so, yeah, I was shocked to see that sort of performance, but, yeah. um, but I keep pushing them now. Let's do more content. Let's like get the information that, you're, that folks really want. Right. And it just shows that these are people you know, and I'm excluding people, so kind of, again, the power of having the analytics attached to um, AdWords is once they've completed a conversion, I can exclude them from seeing these ads. So people who have already completed a form and filled out, you know, um, requests for this, this, uh, this publication aren't going to see the ads after they've completed that step. And so each new person coming in is, is seeing this, this information. Um, and I mean, I could, you know, you could continue to push you know, push content to people as they've uh, consumed it as well. So you could start creating multiple remarketing lists based on which steps they've converted. Mm -hmm. So you've, you have a lot of opportunity with it. And again, sort of following their intent. It's sort of, again, amplifying a marketing automation system almost with right. the advertising. Really, really good stuff, Darren. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today. I think uh, yeah, you know, everyone who's watching and listening uh, really getting a lot of lot of great information. So thank you. Absolutely.